Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Corner Bible Church Podcast, Asking for a Friend series. My name, as always, is Dante, and with me this week, I have, you guessed it, Davis and Mike. <laughs> Howdy. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing very doing good. Great. How are you? Excited to be here. Good. I'm doing well. Um, and this week, we have the question, how can Christians disagree well? Yeah, I actually have never heard of Christians disagreeing on any, anything ever. I disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the Bible is a super old book that's been translated from a couple dead languages, leading to thousands of years of different interpretations and schools of thought determined by theological positions, thereby forging several different guides of theological positions in thousands of areas. Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Um, but seriously, the Bible is a big book. And uh, if you look at all the denominations we have in America today, uh, let alone the rest of the world, um, I think you can see that we actually do have a huge, huge problem uh, with unity in our context. So I think this question is a really good one for us today. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think at the beginning when we talk about this is we have to we have to label a couple things. Uh, our question says, how can we as Christians disagree well? So um, when we talk about disagreement, we have to, we as Christians, I'll start with this, uh, have a tendency to make big deals out of some things that aren't big deals, right? We, we have a tendency to do that. Um, but sometimes uh, there are issues that we do need to separate over. Um, There's a reason that the Christian religion is a religion separate from other religions. It can't just uh, sort of wishy-washy go to with whatever it wants to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there are definitely elements that make us Christian. So I think the thing we wanted to start out with are what are things that if you do not agree to or you do not um, adhere to, uh, would make you not Christian. So like, what are the things that are essential to our faith? So um, some of the things we've kind of pulled out are you, if you are a believer, you have to believe that God created the world, right? If you don't believe God made anything, then you're an atheist, right? Um, you don't believe God exists. So you, you must believe God exists, that he created the world. Uh, ex nihilo is the word means out of nothing. Um, you have to agree that the Bible is God's word. If we don't have an authority for where we get truth from, then uh, there's really no point in following after Christ. Um, if the if the Bible is not objective truth, then truth is only subjective. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the third one I would say is that uh, you have to believe uh, the divinity of Christ. We believe that Jesus, uh, it was God, is God, always will be God. Um, he's the only way to heaven. Uh, we believe that salvation comes not from our works, but what from Christ's sacrifice uh, did for us on the cross. Um, so the, the, the gospel in, in, in the in the essential there. Um, uh, also that he is coming back again someday. Right before he left, he says, I'm going to come back. Uh, so we, ha- we have to believe that. Um, and until then, our job as believers is to seek him and to know him, to kill our sin, to love one another, um, and to make him known until he establishes his kingdom on earth. So all of these things are the essentials of what it means to be Christian. Um, a couple, a couple of the last ones there are more, um, I would say, uh, consequences of those beliefs. Um, but um, th- that's the essential of what a Christian is. And I think if you're a believer out there, you'd probably agree to those things. Um, where we get into trouble, and I think is where this question is coming from when it comes to disagreeing, is um, the areas that kind of surround how we know those essentials work. Yeah, so, like the the diagram that I, I've always seen is one where it's like 
concentric circles and the core circle is the core beliefs and then you start to get outward and you get beliefs that are uh, or, or yeah, um, points that are outside of that that are not part of the core of Christianity but are still part of Christianity as a, as a, as a whole. Right. Yeah, exactly. So stuff like with the creation of the world, you know, you're going to have people that are young earth creationists that believe the earth is 6,000 years old. And you're going to have people that are old earth creations who believe that maybe the earth is much older than that. You're going to have, when it comes to end times, you're going to have people who come from dispensationalism or premillennial dispensationalism, which basically means uh, they believe there's a rapture before the tribulation and then Christ establishes kingdom. Or you have people coming from covenant, the, that theology that say revelation has really already happened. And we are, uh, uh, we are just waiting for Christ to come back and establish his kingdom. Um, and then you have stuff from Calvinism and Arminianism, which are, again, two very fancy theological terms. But basically uh, what they're getting at is the definition of God's supreme will and man's free will. Um, what version of the Bible is best? Views on spiritual gifts. Which ones are still active? Which ones are not active? Um, and then you have the entire category of Christian liberties. You know, uh, what movies or video games are okay to watch or play? What uh, music's okay to listen to? Is drinking okay? Not getting drunk, but uh, in moderation. Um, what about dancing? Uh, what places should we go to or not go to? And there's a, there's a ton of other ones that I'm sure we'll, we'll probably mention at some point throughout this. But um, the sad part is this is where the majority of our disagreements come from. And this is where the majority of our separations come from. Rather than that first list we, we read off at the beginning of the essentials of our faith, we really disagree um, in these non-essentials. Um, we'd often much rather be separate than uncomfortable with people who we disagree with. Yeah, I've heard that being been referred to as um, majoring on the minors as opposed to majoring on the majors, right? Yeah. You know, the, the foundational elements of our faith um, and why we can talk at length and nauseam in the, in the nuanced, um, the outside, the, the, the minors, um, those things, like you said, Calvinism or Arminianism, Arminianism or uh, we, can, we can really go down a lot of rabbit holes and we can really find ourselves quite settled. But how do we, you know, uh, going back to what you and I were talking about earlier, how do we actually embody what Jesus's prayer was and, and what did he mean by, um, in John 17, what did he mean by us seeking after unity? Like we'll actually be known by a love for one another and by our unity in the spirit that this actually draws us together. And I think, I think at the, the crux of this, there is a portion of this whole, how do we disagree? Well, I, I think that's probably sewn into that because we're human, right? Yeah. We're, we're sinful, we're arrogant, we're prideful. And when we lay that stuff down, um, you know, that, that helps get rid of a lot of it. But you know, my family is different than your family is different than Dante's family. And, um, and there's, so there's ways that we will feel you know, it's even kind of just sorting through the conviction of things, right? Right. Like yeah. what, you know, what I want my kids to watch, like you said, or what uh, um, what sort of music I'll let them listen to. or. And some of that ends up coming down to a personal level as well, where you as, you know, um, talking about the, the, the father as the head of the household, you as your spiritual leader of your uh, of your house feel that it... Um, this, the Bible, you know, brings you to as far as that decision goes. Um, but back to the, the topic of, of unity as, as a church as a whole, I think um, it's both comforting and and disheartening that the, the, the church has split as much as it has. Um, and I think 
something that you can almost rest in is that what, what Davis was saying is a lot of those disagreements about the about Christianity as a whole, a lot of those are about the minor issues. And you can take heart in that as in, okay, well, that means we all agree on the core issues, which is a good thing. You know, we ultimately, as long as you believe those core things, you are a Christian. And I think that can become heartening and, and, and uh, comforting. But at the same time, it can be disheartening when the the church is so split over these minor things that, you know, in the grand scheme of things might not have as important or don't have as much importance as the, as the major things. But it does mean that, you know, we are more split and we are more. Um, and I think it's important to, as a church, uh, make a conscious decision to be able to overlook those in certain situations so that you can be the unity of the church, even if one church, you know, doesn't necessarily agree on everything with their neighboring church, you know. Um, I think that is also something that's important. Yeah, it's like an inch, an inch's worth of difference keeps us miles away. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, like you said, it is disheartening. <laughs> and, you know, how do we, how do we reconcile that? How do we try to, uh, to really draw in what John 17 is, I, I think, kind of going for and how do we love each other well, even in our differences, even, you know, the de- denominational differences. You know, we've got, uh, in Corner alone, we've got assemblies, Baptist, yeah. uh, Reformed. Yeah, I come back from, I come from a Reformed Episcopal background. Yeah. Like. Uh, Episcopalian, yeah, Presbyterian. We, I mean, uh, my father-in-law grew up in the Lutheran church. Like, yeah. so you, you really start getting this wide range of beliefs and, um, and really trying to focus on sorting through, okay, what are, what are the differences here? And, yeah. and what are really our majors and minors, especially when we want to like, I don't know about you, but I want to take a stand. Mike wants right. to take a yeah. stand and say, that is not right. Like, let me show you my biblical, you know, <laughs> knowledge here. As uh, long as you use that voice to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me show it all to you. Um, but that's, uh, I think that's what we're striving for. Even in just talking in this podcast, uh, we kind of jokingly talking about earlier. I'm, we're going to try to see how many times we can disagree <laughs> in this podcast about uh, how do Christians disagree well. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting to, I think something that is important to establish as well is like what you were talking about with the definitions of what's a major difference and a minor difference. When the church originally split back uh, with Martin Luther and, and the, split, the split from the Catholic Church, you know, at that point, the Catholic Church had, uh, you know, adopted so many different beliefs that they that they adopted as core that you know, Martin decided that it was time to, it's weird to call him Martin. I'll say you're on a first name basis. Martin, yeah. Martin. Mr. Luther <laughs> decided <laughs> um, that it was time to break away and go back to the core of, of the, what the Bible says. And I think that is, has kind of stayed true with the splits from there. Um, but it, it's interesting, you know, it's important to know what the core issues are so that when something that is not a core belief of Christianity gets adopted as a core belief in a Christian in, in one of the um, church denominations that you can, you can know that and you can, and can decide, okay, this is not based on biblical truth and, and end up, you know, going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dave, I'm curious. Do you remember um, who was it that originally started trying to adopt? Um, they even sang songs about, it was a heretical teaching that was starting to spread its way through the church. Oh um, yeah. I'm trying to remember um, the name of, of that specific church leader. Way, way back, right? Way back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was Arius yes. uh, for Arianism. Yeah. Uh, so this is way back in the three hundreds, like as the church was like really, really starting to become formalized and, um, 
as it was just become a state uh, state thing. But um, there was a teaching that was going around saying that Jesus, uh, there was a time when Christ was not. In fact, that was the song that was sung through the markets. Um, and it basically almost converted the entire church away from biblical Christianity. And it became a huge, huge, huge problem. And it mm-hmm. caused a lot of, you know, disunity. But, but again, that was one of the core issue things. What, what was that core issue again? Um, it was that uh, Christ um, wasn't fully God. Okay. It was uh, Arianism was the heresy if you ever want to look that up so there are times when disagreement is good you know right yeah that's an important one i jokingly uh spoke out this was years ago now um but uh, i had once once said from uh from the stage that doctrine doesn't matter and it wasn't (laughs) it it wasn't it came off different than what i'd actually meant i meant you know oftentimes our doctrinal difference we talked about this earlier an inch will separate us a mile just in you know yeah. difference between reformed and baptist and you know how we baptize our babies do we sprinkle do we dunk you know you know where do we go with this right. and how much are we willing to disagree on this and uh, that's really what i meant at the crux of it but uh this is why doctrine absolutely matters. I want to. I want to correct. Wait, are you saying doctrine does matter? Doctrine does matter. Okay. okay. You know, see, my my mind can be changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I think Mike, it does go back to that question you asked a couple minutes ago: is what is our definition of unity? You know, um, in uh, John chapter seventeen, you know, Jesus prays in the garden, like, "I pray that they may be one, even as uh, he's talking to the Father, as you and I are one." Um, and uh, I think that is a solid question for us. And I think something we have to start with is that unity isn't always going to equal agreement. Uh, and I think that's something that I, I've heard it taught that way, that you know, we, if we're going to be truly unified, we have to agree on every single, even little detail. And um, That's just not how humans work. Yeah, it's just not how humans work. And even in Jesus' own disciples, it didn't work that way. Um, you have... Uh, Two of the people he chose, and I think he chose this because uh, we end up like this as people, you know, uh, just diametrically different. Um, uh, As many of you know, during Jesus's day, uh, the Romans had come in and taken over everything. So one of Jesus's people uh, was Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collectors in that day worked for the Roman government. They were Jewish people that worked for the Romans to tax their own Jewish brothers and sisters, often for a profit. And obviously the ones that became believers repented of those things, but um, it was it was a, it was a definitely a political statement to be a Jewish tax collector. Um, and then on the other side of that, uh, Jesus also had Simon the Zealot. And Zealots were um, an extremist group um, that hated the Romans so much, they would often go to violent means to... Uh, get rid of the Romans in their area. And what Jesus did is he put people on these two far extremes, um, in that case, politically speaking, but um, also in probably a lot of issues different. Um, And the same group together around the same campfire and the same friend group, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there was arguments around the campfire at night. (laughs) Like, I guarantee you there was dissension. Um, But eventually towards the end, uh, you see these guys would would die for each other and even like further along you have the disagreement of peter and paul yeah oh, that's a great one i didn't even think about that yeah where like you know that's after jesus has passed and and paul is an apostle that came after um and uh you still have that you know even even then you have two of the greatest apostles still disagreeing um but ultimately you know uh ultimately having a unity over over the church and christianity yeah so unity number one doesn't mean 
we're always going to agree, but it does mean that we are going to be, be seeking after Christ together and um, we are not uh, so tied to our convictions that we are going to uh, hit our brothers with them, so to speak. Yeah, I think that plays into something else that I wanted to define, which is um, we've defined, you know, what Christians can and can't disagree on. I think the other part of that question that is important to define is what is the definition of well? You know, how do we disagree well? Um, And I think that can vary person to person as far as what you think that is. But I think, you know, ultimately it's about, you know, how in some cases the things that aren't major agreeing to disagree and being okay with that, Uh, which I think is hard for some people that, you know, it's hard to let something go um, and to not, you know, fully agree with somebody you consider a friend or something like that. But I think it is important to, you know, know where, what hills to die on, right? Well, I think this is where you start to get, uh, I think Ron, uh, Pastor Ron uses this uh, phrase, uh, he calls them uh, church church gypsies, uh, <laughs> those who hop from church to church, which often you end up finding out that there were personal preferences sewn in or hurts that came about because of uh, somebody saying, well, you weren't dressed the way you should have been, or I can't believe, you, you know, you let your kids listen to this, or... You know, it, you can almost identify yourself as not, not a, not disagreeing well when you have to find yourself separating and running away from it, yeah. or you find yourself losing longtime friendships over things that that aren't those majors. Um, those are pretty good signifiers that if you've had to leave, you're probably not disagreeing well. And, you know, right. and, I, and I hate to say that. I think there are certainly things to leave churches over. Absolutely. And that's not always on the leaving party as well. It can, it can, it can be on Correct. the church, that's the, the body that's staying there and disagreeing with them as well. You know? yeah. yeah. And I think that goes back to what, what is, what is being, you know, if there's something being taught from even the pulpit here at corner and um, you're like, uh, that's a little, that's a little shady actually having, having and taking the time to sit down and, talk that out to really iron out okay was this just a was this miscommunicated um right uh because that does happen we are we're men you know as professional speakers we're probably going to screw up words um (laughs) quite a bit yeah quite a bit (laughs) because unfortunately we have to talk more you know and so even doctrine doesn't matter wasn't wasn't (laughs) what i meant but boy did i screw it up and the implications of that statement could have been so much bigger but luckily the people that that heard me say it It became a joke and it was you know we were able to um to get back to okay this is what was really meant here and they're like okay you know that that's good but also taking the time to not just run from things that you might immediately immediately at surface level disagree with or think that's heresy i'm out of here actually taking the time to matthew 18 or even just say hey this teaching is off base or what you said like as borderline heresy brother right right (laughs) So I actually brought a verse within a verse for us here. Um, it's in Philippians two one through four, and it kind of really just goes right into what we're talking about here. It says this: Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, complete my joy, so that you are in agreement, having the same love, uni- uni- uh, unified in the Spirit, having one purpose. Do nothing from uh, selfish ambition or according to empty deceit, uh, conceit, sorry, but in humility, consider one another as better than yourselves, each one of you not looking for your own interests, but also each of you into the, for the interests of others around you. 
And I, so I think this section mm-hmm. here really, really hits home on exactly what we're getting at is I think so many times when we have our disagreements in the church, whether it be over a, a theology difference of uh, old earth, young earth, or how end times are going to work or spiritual gifts, we come in with, I'm going to win mm. or I need to win or I need to prove myself right or and to prove them wrong. Yeah, and prove them wrong, yeah. you know, and because um, we get passionate about those things, right? If you have a position on a a, a a passage of scripture or a piece of theology, you should hold that with passion, right? Like if that's what God is convicted you, you've you, put you, in the work, you've yes, put in the work, yeah, ab- absolutely. So we come in with all with the idea of winning or uh, being proven right and. This whole passage cuts that whole thing off at the knees. Mm-hmm. It says, no, no, no. You come in with uh, love for your brother. Yeah. You come in not figuring out how to win, but how to love each other better. And that's the bottom line. Not selfish ambition, not empty conceit, uh, but considering each other better than yourself. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out. Is I really like that part of the verse. The, um, in humility, cons- uh, considering one another better than, our, than yourselves. Because that's sort of... The, you know where a lot of people come from is like well you're stupid for thinking this <laughs> it's yeah. like no, you need to think of them higher than yourself and if you do that then you would value their opinion as well yeah. and then you can come from it from a more biblical uh, point of view yeah that's the difference between we use the word regard a yeah. lot at corner that's the kind of language we've got built into our culture here and regarding is really that that love and the laying down of selfish ambition and um, not looking because oftentimes when you don't do that, um, you can oftentimes be right, but in the completely wrong way even. Yeah. Um, but in that too, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on where does this take us about being, being open? Cause I don't know about you guys, but I can be pretty, pretty stuck in my ways mm-hmm. yeah. um, and trying to really be open and receptive to one. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I, Honestly, I'm probably never the smartest guy in the room, period. But um, just being open to maybe maybe I am wrong or that's that was a that was a good point. But this is what my doctrine says. You know, I, yeah. I should totally believe. And um, and so really being OK with sorting that out, even if, I mean, really, it can make for an awesome conversation with a brother in Christ and yeah. really lead towards greater fellowship and maybe people even get a chance when you're at the coffee shop, you know, cordially debating those things. Maybe they get a chance to see you disagreeing well, which is something that is completely countercultural, right? Especially, especially right now. Right. Yeah. Especially with like Twitter when it's just, you just comment with like, you're stupid. (laughs) You're wrong. Yeah. Block account. (laughs) Got the last word. (laughs) I think that's, really valid like the idea of being open that's something that i uh, had to learn early on with the you know um, being able to debate is the idea of um debates as they are in like politics or our culture now are less about trying to convince one another well they're less about being open to the idea of the of the opponent's perspective and more about this is my agenda this is my whatever i'm putting forward and i want you to agree with it right um and I think that's completely wrong because ultimately we should always be rethinking our, we should always be considering our um, our beliefs and we should always be considering our, um, especially about the things that are minor, like, like that stuff, if that's the stuff that you can't stand on definitively, like, you know, there are different opinions that 
come from, you know, basis of people that are referencing the Bible, I think it's important to constantly be reevaluating that and based off of the Bible, continually return to it. And, and, you know, I think that's why it's, it's, it's good to challenge your own beliefs because that gets you closer to the truth. If you are open to talking about it and potentially being wrong and, and that stings sure. But I think it's important to, um, keep an open mind in those things. Yeah. I think something we need to, and then something I think we're very uncomfortable with is, you know, if you're, maybe you're listening out here, you're listening out there today and you're kind of like, I'm, I'm right. You know, uh, the thing we have to understand is every single one of us is wrong on something when it comes to our theology, something's wrong, right? Where none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. If, if we were completely right, then we would have God's kingdom now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like none of us are totally or completely right. So we have to be able to get to a point where we realize I, there's some beliefs like the core issue. Yeah. I'm going to hold that with a closed fist. Um, that's not wrong. I can, I can rest on my pillow at night knowing all those things are true, but there are these minor things we talk about that we, we need to hold with open hands. We need to be able to say, yeah, I, I'm not going to die for this belief. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, I, this is not the end. Or I'm all. not going to kill my brother for this. Belief. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, being able to, to disagree and like, and I like, I like what you said is being able to admit maybe I am wrong and maybe my brother is actually right here and, and being willing to change some of those. I remember being in college and uh, coming from a, a specific uh, school of thought and uh, arguing theology with people till two in the morning and just trying to win, you know, and um, that was first year of Christian college for most of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember, you know, two, three years later, uh, some of those things I argued against as I studied scripture, I was like, actually, I can see exactly where they're coming from now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to, I had become open to those things. Um, and I had to let God guide my convictions and how I viewed scripture rather than my upbringing and how I wanted to view things. And, yeah. had, and that's, that's a really hard place to get to. I would really love us to, well, I think one of the most offensive things that you can do to another brother or sister in Christ is actually taking scripture and weaponizing it towards somebody, especially yeah. when it you know comes to a wrong, what we what we would maybe on our end consider a wrong belief. Yeah, I was going to mention that you don't want to push them away. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not that's not how. Uh, I, I don't believe that's how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. Yeah. It definitely helps us. Truth helps us naturally sort. Yeah, um, and you know, Paul even talks about the fact that you know. Division, variance, and strife, it's actually there to help sort, you know, the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a bad thing, but at the same time, you know, if we're supposed to be seeking after each other in love and we're supposed to be seeking after this unity in the spirit that we all share, mm-hmm. um, we really gotta stop killing each other with scripture. Yeah. It's is a it's a huge problem, I think. You know, something I was thinking about, I know we're we're kind of drawing to a close here. Um I've, I've been encouraged with our church specifically, and I know on our elder team, you know, Mike, you and I have been at those meetings and um, where we have very different perspectives on mm-hmm. things at times. And I think we have like three or four different views on end times within our own elder team of eight or nine people. And we have different opinions on spiritual gifts and alcohol and Christian liberties and uh, philosophies on raising children, different perspectives on vaccines and medication. And um, in our culture, it's just so common to divide over these things. And 
we do have our differences sometimes, but man, it's been really cool. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody just storm out of one of our elders meetings, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I've never really seen that. Um, no one's really yelled at each other or we've had our, in the midst of our disagreements. Um, in fact, it was a week ago or so, Mike, we were, we were talking and we're like, man, we shouldn't function, <laughs> you know, like yeah, there, there's, there's like some ways like, man, we, sh this shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does because the spirit is at the center of, um, who we are as a church and not our opinions. That's the beauty of Christianity, right? It brings you yeah. together despite your differences. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of sum up here, I think some elements of a healthy culture of being able to disagree well, first and foremost, would be have a submission to Christ rather than our own opinions. So I am submitted to Christ. I'm submitted to his call on my life and uh, his influence in my life rather than my opinion and my need to be right. Um, second thing I would say would be holding beliefs in those non-essential matters uh, with an open hand. And uh, what I mean by that is while there's definitely things we need to hold with a closed grip, like salvation by Christ, by faith, rather than works, um, all those uh, non-essential beliefs, um, we must realize that we might be wrong on something. And uh, being able to hold that with an open hand so you can say, God, if any of these need to change, I'm inviting you to do that. And third would be... Uh, when you do come in contact with people you do disagree with, um, there needs to be grace there. And Romans 14, 1 talks about this. It says, now receive the one who is weak in faith. And this is specifically in context of Christian liberty. Uh, now receive the one who is weak in faith, but not to quarrel about opinions. Mm -hmm. So there's an understanding here that grace is going to be present, that our commonalities in Christ outweigh our disagreement in these minor things. So that those are some guiding principles, I think, as we go about disagreeing well with each other um, that we should hold to. And yeah, that's really good. Yeah, no, I appreciate this discussion. And I think, you know, um, I think we disagreed well. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, we didn't. <laughs> and uh, if you have any more questions about this or, uh, you know, further thoughts or anything like that, feel free to reach out to the pastoral staff here at uh, Corner, or uh, you can reach the, the podcast directly at cornerbiblepod at gmail.com. And uh, I think this is the end of season two, so we'll see you in season three. Thank you both for being here. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you.